Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Amen. The Song of Solomon, chapter number three. Uh, Since the kids aren't in here, we'll read out of the Song of Solomon. (laughs) Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter number three. Amen. We're going to begin reading there. And I want to say uh, a big welcome to all of our guests of First Church. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. We're so glad to see each and every one of you. We're so glad Sister Wasson is back with us all the way from Hawaii. Amen. Her and her husband, of course, pastor there. Uh, in Oahu and just have a great we've been blessed to be there with them I've always got a burden for Hawaii just so you guys know the calendar's always open for Hawaii Uh, no I'm kidding they're a wonderful job of course this is Brother Nate's mother as you well know we love we love Brother Nate he is such a blessing and we appreciate him so so very much I've about got him roped in to one of the next missionary trips and he's like thinking about where he wants to go, South America, Asia, and then I'm going to just put him in the carry-on luggage with me. He's going to go because uh, uh, he's just that kind of guy. You want him on a missions trip. We love and appreciate Brother Nate and all he has done. Amen. Praise God. And then we're so glad to have my dad with us today, all the way from Texarkana. And uh, today today is his birthday, so we he come out to spend his birthday with us, so we're so glad that he is here uh, to be with us. Amen. And filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire. Praise God. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter number three, and uh, beginning at verse number one. Uh, let us read together there the words of Solomon. Uh, actually, you know, this is actually, we call it the Song of Solomon, but the Hebrews, they just call it the Song of Songs. In other words, it's, it's the goat. I think that's how you would say it today, right? They think it's the greatest song of all time. Amen. And so let, let's read uh, this little love note here. Uh, verse number one. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets. Broadways, I will seek him whom my soul loveth. Whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Verse 3. The watchmen that go about the city found me to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth. Amen. Let me read verse number one again. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Amen. Now, this morning I'm going to take a little different approach. And I am going to preach on the Song of Solomon. 
And I am going to preach on it and bring to us how this story is relevant to us as New Testament believers. And I'm not going to give all of the details of the Song of Solomon, meaning um, I'm not going to go through every point and every detail. I'm going to give you a 10,000-foot snapshot of the Song of Solomon, and then let's see if in any way this can apply to who we are as born-again believers. And I believe that it will. I'm going to preach to you this morning on this thought, eternity's great love story. Eternity's great love story. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing anointing that is in this place, so liberating, so filled with joy and purpose. I pray, God, that you would flow into this house. Lord, you anoint me to speak the word, anoint your people to hear it, receive it, and respond to it, oh God. I pray that by the time that we are done sharing your word, that someone will feel compelled to come to an altar to strengthen their relationship with you to make a declaration to serve you lord to just be restored in their joy to be renewed in their peace oh god do what only you can do in this place this morning in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen and would you just give the lord another hand clap of praise this morning hallelujah come on if you really love him hallelujah Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. You can be seated. I love the, the Song of Solomon was written as the Song of Songs and is known to us as the Song of Solomon. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you this morning that um, I'm going to be a jumbo jet this morning. I'm going to need a bit of runway before we get off the ground. So I'm going to need you to stay with me and not think that because I hadn't got worked up yet um, and hadn't started yelling yet that we're not to the preaching point yet. I'm, I'm in the preaching point right now. Amen. It's just I need, I need a bit of runway to get up off the ground. Amen. Uh, the Song of Solomon is, is oftentimes uh, one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible simply because we find at its face value um, oftentimes no no prophetic relevance to us as born-again believers. As a matter of fact, even today in the theological community, there is a debate whether or not the Song of Solomon should be remained, uh, should remain in the Holy Writ. Should it be decanonized because the theologians feel uh, that it, it has no salvific ring or that, that would reach out to us as New Testament believers, it almost seems to be a, a rated R love note that's just captured in the Bible. Amen. And um, a lot of people avoid reading it. This is, you know, not necessarily uh, comfortable reading if we were to read the whole book in public. And, uh, but it is a love story nonetheless. And, and it parallels the greatest love story of all time because Solomon who is the most powerful king in the world during his time, Solomon, who is the wealthiest king in the world at his time, uh, Solomon, who is to be the wisest man to have ever lived, is, this is a song that is written between two lovers, between the woman's point of view and the man's point of view. It, get, it gets pretty soppy in there a few times. I mean, they, they get to doting over each other, and it's just... 
It's almost like looking through a keyhole into someone's bedroom and you blush with embarrassment. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to hear that. Amen. It's, it's like the first time you, you saw your mom and dad really kiss and you went, oh, my goodness, I didn't want to. Because it, it gets emotional. It, it, they, they are into it. I mean, they, they love one another. And so the song of Solomon that Solomon is writing and he is recording uh, to us her words to him. It's, it's this beautiful story of the most powerful king in the world who had everything at his disposal. As a matter of fact, we're told um, that he had about uh, 800 wives and, and three or four times as many concubines. He, I, I'm, I'm saying that to say he did not lack affection in his life. Amen. Uh, uh, it, it, he did not have an issue of not having someone that, that would have relations with him in his life, if you catch my drift here without having to go into detail. He had plenty of women at his disposal. He had the most beautiful women, not only in the kingdom, but he had the most beautiful women in all of the world who were raised and who were trained to just meet every need that he had. He was one that would live a life where he would be doted over. He would live a life that there would be nothing that his heart would desire desire that would not be met but he didn't find it in any of his concubines he didn't find it in his wives he didn't find it in his harem he didn't find it in his one night flings he wanted something more than that Solomon wanted to find a woman who would not love him because he was king and would not love him because that he owned the cattle of a thousand hills and who would not love him because of what he could do for them and, and, and would not love him because she knew that if she married him or became a part of, of his uh, uh, pleasure consortment of women that, that her family would then be taken care of and be blessed. He wanted to find somebody who would love him for just being him and him and not love him as the king, not love him as the preeminent, not love him as the greatest potentate of all the world, but somebody that would just love him for who he is. And so Solomon began a journey. And again, I'm giving you a 10,000-foot view of the story. Solomon decides that the only way he's going to find someone to truly love him for who he is is he's going to have to escape his own kingdom. He's going to have to sneak out. He can't even let his most trusted advisors know what he's doing. And the he threw the kingdom in absolute peril and an uproar because one night he slipped out of his window and down the sides of the palace wall and over the palace gates. Amen. And, and, and dressed as as some uh, uh, as a bum or just some kind of a person, a part of a caravan. He he made his way down the streets and nobody really knew who he was because he didn't dress with royal clothing. He didn't have the regalia of a king on. He did not have his scepter, his diadem, or his crown. Uh, he didn't even wear good shoes. He took the tattered robes of a beggar's garment and he put it on. And, and he smelled not like a king, but he, he smelled like a person, any old person on the street. And he went out to the far edges of his kingdom. And there um, he began to take on a trade because Solomon was raised in the house of his father David. And Solomon didn't have to work for a living per se. He was brought up in the lap of luxury and privilege. 
and uh, Solomon goes out to the far edges of the kingdom where they would not recognize him because the king doesn't often go to the edges of his kingdom. He has representatives to which he brings in to the city to there begin to inquire of them and know them. But the people at the edge of the kingdom are not going to know who Solomon is. They don't know his picture. They don't know his face. This may come as a shock. Please don't hit the floor. There was no Facebook back then. There was no photographs, no printed papers, amen, and Solomon uh, went to the far reaches of his kingdom because he wanted to hopefully find a maiden, and he really didn't care how pretty she was, he didn't really care if her hair was just right and her teeth were straight, he didn't care if he, she had the hourglass figure, all of that, he was just looking for somebody who was going to see him for who he was, not see the king, not see the wealth and the riches, but just see him as a man and have a choice to love him and decide whether she would love him or not to the far reaches of the kingdom he goes abdicating his throne for a season and he takes up in a small village at the edge of the kingdom and I told you I'm going to need a little bit of runway this morning and he gets to the edge of the kingdom sister Cindy and he decides no one is going to know me here and so he, he goes and he pretends to be a shepherd of all things he wants to be a shepherd why a shepherd well his dad was a shepherd so he knew a little something about shepherding because David had been a shepherd and and so there he was doing his job. I'm, I'm fairly certain that he wasn't even a decent shepherd at most. Uh, here he is, a shepherd just tending sheep because of what his dad told him he used to do. And, and he's doing his best at it. And uh, over there someday, all of a sudden, he sees uh, uh, a, a, a beautiful woman out working the vineyards, a beautiful young lady. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, his heart just goes thumpity thump, 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 and starts pounding in his chest and he looks and he thinks to himself my goodness what a good looking woman and he starts working closer but what he doesn't know about this woman that's a pretty cool story you know this is in your bible right Pays to read it. It's really cool stuff. And it's better than Days of Our Lives. It's better than Nora Roberts or anything. This is in the Bible. This is great stuff. And so he goes over to the vineyard, uh, Sister Watson. And then what we find out is this wasn't just any lady or young girl. This was a young girl that was an outcast from her own family. Her own family said she's not really worth anything. And she was doing something that, that a woman in her position should be working in the house. But, but the house didn't even want her. They sent her to the edges of the field. They sent her to the vineyards, and there, while Solomon in disguise was working with sheep, she was out there working in the vineyards almost as a punishment because evidently her family thought so little of her. It kind of sounds like his dad, amen. And, and, and she's out, isn't this an amazing thing? And so Solomon is, is keeping sheep, and, and we, of course, he's not going by the name Solomon or Saul or Sully or any of that. We, we don't know what his alias was but he's tending sheep and he's watching her and all of a sudden now uh, he can't tend the sheep over here on this side of the pasture no he saw a good looking woman now he's got to tend sheep he keeps the sheep over on this side so he can watch this this beautiful uh, 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 
maiden as she is tending the vineyards and he's watching and I'm sure sheep are running off and wolves are snatching them. He didn't care. He was just so mesmerized uh, uh, by, by this young lady, a man who her skin uh, beautifully darkened by the sun as she is working the vineyards. And, and like any, any woman does, uh, knowing that he is getting her, uh, is, is drawn to her beauty, what most women do, she does, she doesn't even acknowledge him. I don't know what's wrong with you women. Why is it you know a guy likes you? What do you do? You ignore him. You play hard to get. Hey, did you know Bob likes you? It starts in the third grade. Do you know Bobby likes you? Who's Bobby? The same kid you've been in class with since kindergarten. You've known him for four years. What are you talking about? Who's Bobby? But it starts young. Amen. It starts on what's two little ones yesterday at the, at the service uh, or at, at the birthday party. They're both probably four years old. Amen. And, and little boy and little girl, they just kept hugging each other. And I looked at uh, Brother Chase and I said, my God, the addiction starts young, don't it? <laughs> and, 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 but with girls, it, it just, and, and, and as soon as he walk off, she'd act like he didn't even exist. Amen. That, that's how it works. And so it's this game. You know how, you know how young people who are in love are. You, you ever been to a youth convention? You ever been to a youth convention? I'm not even off the runway yet, and I'm preaching. I, I, I want you to go back to when you were first courting one another or you were first in love. And I know some of you may have to go back a few decades. But just remember, amen, what you were when you were a teenager and you were in love or lust, whichever it was. Most likely it was lust and not love. Amen. And, but you were how good looking she is. And, and what is it about guys that we're so weird? Amen. That the way guys show their affection to a girl is they hit their best friend. Am I telling the truth yet? Hey, plop, she's beautiful. I mean, we just think when when girls see one another and they haven't seen each other in a while, oh, it's so good to see you. And they hug, oh, oh. And they do, not guys, we hit each other as teenagers. Good to see you, plop. They start slugging each other like like we're still Neanderthals. And And then these strong, strapping, tough, young Boys, they, they're smart, but they go brain dead between about 13 to 20. Hey, man, they, they, they get Twitter-pated, as Thumper from Bambi would say. And, and, and you go to a youth camp or a youth convention, and I'm quite certain that 45% of all lung cancer comes from going to a youth convention because all the perfume and cologne. You're, you're inhaling toxins that have yet been discovered. Uh, it just unbelievable amount of cologne and perfume, and, and 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 the girls will douse it on, and and they'll go gliding. They practice that walk in the hotel room. He tell me they don't. I know they practice that walk to go through the lobby, and and they know they're getting the attention of every guy in that. And some of you are going, well, Pastor, you ought to teach them. Not, no, I want them to go to youth convention and find a spouse. That's where we don't want them to go to the club and find a spouse. We want them to go to church. Amen. And, and so they go, they were walking through the lobby and, and they know which boy has been looking at them. They got eyes in the back of their head. Don't believe me? Wait till, wait till she's a mom and the kid's about four. She can spank them for stuff they did behind her back because she saw it. 
That started when they were court. My mom would whip me for stuff me and my brother did in the other room. She wasn't even in there. She somehow knew what happened. We, we thought my mom had an angel that was telling on us. And we're going to be like, hey, your boys are in there doing that. And she'd come in there and just, it was, y'all was always right. And, and, and y'all with me so far, we're still on the runway. We're going to get where we're going. And, and these girls, they'll put on that perfume and they'll, they'll dab it on. They'll get them curls just right. Just they'll bounce just enough. And they know which boys have been looking at them and which boy. They, I don't know how they know, but now with Snapchat and all this kind of stuff, they know. And they, they'll walk right up to the group of guys and, and they'll walk right past them like they don't even exist. And don't even look at them. And then the guys are arguing. She looked at me. She was looking at me. She was looking at me. Didn't even look at you. And she looked at me. Am I telling the truth, Brother Reuben? You've been there. Some of y'all are up here going, Pastor's a prophet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They walk by and, and just totally ghost them like they don't exist. And, and let their scent just linger for a minute. And then they'll circle back around and I don't know what it is about guys but we always feel the need to hang out in front of the bathroom <laughs> you'll find more guys clustered near the bathroom than anywhere and that girl will circle am I telling the truth brother John and that girl will circle back she'll go not to the one that likes her the most but to the one that likes her second most to rile up the one that likes her the most. You, you girls are mischievous now. I'm going to tell you, you women. Boy, Eve put something in y'all. Woo, have mercy. Walk up to me and she'll go, excuse me, do you know where the bathroom is? And they're standing right in front of it. And she knows that. She's brilliant. She's got like a 55.0 GPA. They're standing right in front of a bathroom sign. And she goes, excuse me, you know where the bathroom is? She's getting close enough. She wants to smell that, you know, that, that whatever perfume she's wearing. And, and, then, and then they all of a sudden become, And that's most of us guys. That's what we do, Elder Henry. <laughs> but the really cool guys go, the, oh, uh, yeah, the bathroom? Yeah, it's uh, right over there. <laughs> Could be over there. Not sure. You try it out. Huh? And then we're not even cool enough to wait till she walks off. We just hit it. Whap! She was looking at me. The dance between Solomon and, and this young lady begins the courtship, the winking, and the nodding. All of a sudden, her, her family is curious of why she is dabbing on. Expensive oils before she goes to tend to the vineyard. And Solomon's newfound friend, the vagabonds and vagabonds and, and gypsies are now looking at him saying, Why are you dressing up a little more? Why now are you making sure your skin is oiled and your hands are cleaner to tend? 
the sheep because now all of a sudden the dance of courtship begins to go on and weeks went by before they ever said anything to one another they're just watching one another and how she is pick she's not just picking the vineyards like she used to do this she is now doing this she's doing this and he's not tending the sheep like this anymore. He's not walking like this anymore. He, he's saying, uh, dancer and prancer and donner and Solomon had a beautiful baritone voice. He, he started singing the songs that his father had written, some of them even in the palace, uh, as he begins to sing worship songs to the Lord. Uh, and wondering, I, now I've got to find a girl that loves God. I know she needs to love me, but she needs to love God. And as he's tending the sheep and he has his staff, uh, he begins to sing the songs of his father. As the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for the living God. When shall I appear before him? He began to sing songs like, Oh, bless the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He began to sing the songs. and She was attracted to that. And her and her beautiful soprano voice, she began to sing the counterpart to his harmony until these two young people worked their way together after days and weeks. And finally, they got up enough confidence to talk to one another. And there, by the time they locked eyes in close proximity their emotions their hearts were leaping out of their chest uh, amen their hormones were doing backflips uh, they couldn't stand to not be in each other's presence anymore uh, until finally they begin to talk and they begin to converse uh, and they didn't talk like normal people they talked like young people in love uh, amen they, they, they wooed one another he told her how beautiful she was albeit he had a weird way of doing it you know your nose is like a bridge I mean Solomon must have had game but obviously we were playing with different rules back then versus now because if you go up to a girl now and say hey your neck is like a your neck is like a your nose is like a tower your neck is like a bridge you're not getting a response your teeth are like a flock of goats I love your teeth. They remind me of, of a flock of goats. It's in your Bible, folks. Your teeth are like a flock of goats, and, 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 and your breasts are like a cluster of grapes, and you're going, well, none of this makes sense. That don't work today. But they were so, and she would, and they would sing to one another. They would make up songs. One to, they fell in love with one another. And one day, she gra he grasped her hands and declared his unwavering affection for her. And he said, now, you're not going to understand this. I don't expect you to understand this. We're madly in love with one another, and everything is going in the right direction. He said, but I, I, I want you, I, I know you're not going to understand this. You're going to have a hard time with this. But listen, I've got to go away for a while. I can't tell you what I'm doing, but you got to trust me. I'm going to come back and get you. Please don't, don't fall in love with anybody else. Don't you marry anybody else. Don't you give your affection and your love away to anybody else. I can't tell you when I'm coming back, but I am coming back. Be faithful. Keep yourself. I will be back. I, I will return my love. I will come back. 
and I will get you one of these days. I, I, it's hard for me to say when. i got to go take care of some business. i got to go get some things prepared. But once I get these things taken care of, honey, I, I'm coming back to take you away. And I'm going to marry you. And you're going to be glad that you were faithful to me. And you're going to be glad that you didn't fall in love with all the other shepherds in this village. When I come back for you, I, it's going to surprise you about what the, the, the wedding that we're going to have. So I need you to remain faithful to me. She wept and she cried. She grabbed a hold of him. She clutched him close to her chest. She kissed him on the neck and pleaded with him, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me me. I'm an outcast in my own family. You know how hard my life is. I need you now in my life more than I've ever needed you before. Please don't go away. And he gently kisses her upon her sweat-stained brow and he says baby I will be back. Just wait for me. Don't, don't, Don't get discouraged. I will come back for you. I promise. He said but when I come back I'm gonna take you and you are going to be my bride and I am going to be your husband and with that he turned and with his heart breaking into a thousand pieces he flees the shepherd's field and the vineyard and he runs to a place she didn't know where he was from she didn't know about his family he ran away some time passed as Solomon went back to the kingdom to assume his kingship time went by weeks and months went by this little girl's heart broke every day every day she went back to the vineyard and worked the same job doing what she had always done looking over the horizon in the distance every morning she was there before the sunrise every evening she watched the sun kiss the earth in the west waiting for that man to come back over the horizon and come and take her out of this hellish life that she has been bound to days turn into weeks weeks turn into months amen until the young men from the village come around and they start flirting with her and trying to get her at tension and, and she was marrying age and, and she she made a promise to her shepherd lover that she would keep herself and be faithful to him because someday he would come back and he would marry her and they would live together in love and, and in happiness and so she turned away the suitors she kept herself the way that he had remembered her she chastened her purity and said I'm going to hold on because the one in whom my soul loveth hallelujah I'm looking for him because one of these days he's going to come back and he's going to take me out of this place amen those of you who are spiritually keen and, and, and have Bible knowledge you know where I'm going with this and so the day arrives and we don't know exactly how long it was but we know that the young maiden would go through the streets of the city weeping where is he in whom my soul loveth where is he in whom my soul loveth and the watchman of the wall would tell her to go home and to get a hold of herself but she couldn't stop thinking about him she couldn't stop dreaming about him she couldn't stop the images of their last embrace and the warm moist feel of his lips on her forehead and the words saying I'll be back you just wait and see I'm going to come and I'm going to take you out of here until one day 
she's in the vineyards and she's pruning the vines and her heart is breaking and heavy for another sunrise has come and yet her shepherd has not come over the hill until one day she hears the blasting of trumpets in the distance. She feels the ground tremble. Amen. As the army begins to march and the horses and the elephants and all kinds of animals in the royal regalia begin to make their way down to that little village on the edge of the kingdom, that little village of nobodies. And she begins to see in the distance, my God, what is I've never seen anything like this in my life. All of the gold and the silver and the opulence and the and the glory of the kingdom of Solomon is marching down through the streets. The villagers turn out. The field workers turn out. The shepherds turn out. The elders of the city, the watchmen turn out to see who is this person. They must be a very important person to come on horses like this and with all of this military and all of a sudden he comes into the city and, and he they call in all the maidens of the city. Amen. Because they said the king is looking for a bride. All of the young women went home and washed their face. They put on their best clothes and their best perfume and they ran back out to the side of the street because the king was going to come find a bride from this region of the kingdom. Amen. And King Solomon comes off of his horse and all of the maidens are lined up, even the one in whom his soul loveth. She stood at the side of the street. I don't believe she got dolled up like everybody else because she didn't care if it was the king. She was in love with the shepherd. She didn't care if he had all the gold in the world. It didn't matter to her. She was in love with the shepherd boy and she wanted that shepherd boy in her heart and wanted that shepherd boy in her life. Amen. And there she is. Amen. Praise God. Looking at Solomon. As Solomon is going down the line and he is looking at them one by one. Amen. They're they're judging them. They're saying, well, she's too tall. She's too short. She doesn't have the right pedigree. Her teeth are too crooked. They were looking at it and judging and finally, amen, they come down to this little girl and there she's standing with tears running down her dirty face. Amen. And the king is looking her right in the face and the king begins to say, I I, I think I'll take this one. But she begins to protest. Of course, she wouldn't make eye contact. You couldn't do that with the king back then. She says, no, no, I can't marry him. I'm in love with the shepherd. I know you got all the money in the world, but I promise my soul to the one in whom my soul loves. I, I can't marry you. He grabs her by the chin and lifts up her head, and she instantly doesn't even recognize him with all of the royal robes, the scepter, amen, the rings of opulence and gold, and, and the smell of perfume and expensive oils. She didn't even recognize who he was, but when he began to speak to her, she realized that her shepherd was actually a king. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel like preaching now this morning. We're up off the runway. I feel like preaching to you now. Amen. There was a king who left the splendors of heaven and said, I'm going to find myself a people that'll love me not for how I can bless them, that'll love me not for who I am or what I do, but people that'll love me because... 
<laughs> oh, there was a day, Elder Henderson, about 2,000 years ago, God stood up from his throne and said, I think I'll go to the far reaches of my kingdom. I'll go to the place of rejection. I'll go to the place of sin. I'll go to the place of poverty. And there I'm going to find me somebody who will love me, not because of what I have or what I can do, but somebody that will love me for who I am. Oh, somebody lift your voice to him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, and this king stepped over the portals of glory and there he slipped off his royal robes and diadem and he laid down his crown and his opulence and he stepped into the peasant garments of flesh. Hallelujah. This morning, my father and I were driving to church listening to the old Merle Ewing song when he said that God looked out through eternity and he saw me in the future and he saw me bound and broken in my sin. But God knew if I was ever going to become like him he knew he first had to become like me and so God put on the frail flesh form and was born in Bethlehem's manger amen he didn't come as a king he come as a servant he didn't come as a lion he came as the lamb it's easy to serve God when he's blessing you There he cried out and made the manger of Bethlehem. 33 and a half years he walked this earth looking for a bride. They didn't know who he was. Every once in a while they would catch a glimpse. Every once in a while like the handmaiden of Solomon's song would look at Solomon. And I'm certain that there were times, Sister Elva, that she would think to herself, there's something about his accent that's different than from the land of Judea where he says he comes from. His mannerisms aren't necessarily that of a shepherd. Amen. The way he talks is more educated than that level of a shepherd. Something's different about this young man. He may put on the robes of a shepherd and a peasant, but there's something about his smile that when you look deep into his eyes there's a comprehension in him that no other shepherd has they begin to think the same thing of Jesus they would hear him preach and they would walk away and go never has a man spoke like this they would walk out of there and say surely something is different about this man he's casting out demons he's walking on the waters they didn't quite understand exactly what it was not until the day that Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said Said, whom do men say that I am? And they begin to say, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're Elijah. Oh, but Simon Peter said, I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Simon Peter got a revelation that began to open the eyes of all humanity that this wasn't just another man, but this was the king of glory, robed in flesh. Oh, hallelujah. What a love story. What a love story that Jesus, that Jesus for 33 and a half years works, if you would, the field next to the vineyards. Amen. They're looking for a bride. He's rejected time and time again until he stands on the hillsides of Jerusalem and throws open his arms, weeping violently and sobbing while tears streamed off his chin. And he cried, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you under my wings like a hen does. 
another brood. In other words, you rejected my advances. You wouldn't believe me, but that didn't stop the love of my shepherd. That didn't stop the love of my king. No, he went to a hill called Golgotha, and there he stretched out over a wooden beam, nailing his hands and feet to the cross. Amen. He gave his life for you and me. But what he told them that day before they went to the upper room, he told them the day he ascended after his resurrection, he said, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. He said, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Hey, man, when I come back, you might not recognize me because I'm not coming back in the form of a servant. I'm not coming back as a lamb, but when I come back, I'm coming back riding at the front of heaven's parade. I'm preaching to you this morning about eternity's great love story that God loved you and me so much. Not only did he create us, not only did he give us life, but he came and he laid down his life for me and you. And the Bible says greater love had no man than this, that another man would lay down his life. hillside that day they wept at the hillside that day as Jesus begins to tell them go back to Jerusalem occupy till I come work keep yourself I'm coming back one day I can't quite tell you when I can tell you the seasons but I can't tell you the day I'm going to come back as a thief in the night in the hour that you think not but I need you to keep working Because I promise you I'm coming back to get you. Because I love you so much. I'm coming to take you out of this vineyard you're in. Out of all those in your family that despise you and that hate you and that can't stand you. That have pushed you to the far edges. Amen. Of even their property. I'm coming back for you. But all you got to do, sweetheart, all you got to do is just occupy till I come back. Just remain faithful to me until I come back. And when I come back, oh, you're going to see me in a way that you've never seen me before. You're not going to see me in the tattered robes of a beggar's garment. You're not going to see me with a crown of thorns upon my head. You're not going to see me with blood flowing from my side. But honey, when I come back, hallelujah, when I come back, I'm going to change everything for you. Though you may be weak and poor in this life, in the next life, you're going to be blessed and rich beyond all compare. But I'm coming back. I'm, oh, I'm preaching to you about eternity's great love story. You better hear me this morning. You're a part of something bigger than just a church. You're a part of something bigger than just a Pentecostal denomination. You are a part of the bride of Christ. You have been joined into the family of God. When you repented of your sins and were baptized in the only saving name of Jesus, when that happened, you took over on his name we became betrothed to him
But Jesus said, you better occupy till I come. Just like Solomon told his young lover, I'm coming back for you. Don't you be flirting with other men. Don't you surrender to their advances. Listen to me, church. Don't be surrendering to the temptations of this world. Well, he's been so gone so long, certainly he wouldn't mind if I hold hands with this other shepherd. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. No. He is the one in whom my heart loveth. He is the one in whom my soul loveth. And on that hillside that day outside of Jerusalem, if you would, Jesus, collectively, kissed him on the forehead and said I'm going away but I'm coming back though famine come don't be discouraged though persecution come don't surrender because I'm coming back for you maybe it's just me but we've lost the beauty of preaching of the rapture in the church in 2020 I still believe he's coming back. Say, well, pastor, that's old theology. No. That's from the mouth of the one in whom my soul loveth. He said, two will be working in the field, one shall be taken away. Elder De Leon, he said, two will be walking down the road, one taken away. He said, two will be lying in the bed, one taken away. You still believe he's coming? when you least expect it. All of a sudden, a familiar fragrance is going to catch the room. Oh, it's the one whom my soul loveth. And they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, filled with the promise from on high. If you would, just bear with me. Give me a little bit of theological liberty for a moment. They were filled with the spirit, the essence of God. When Jesus comes back, <laughs> my eyes have never beheld him in this life. But because I have his essence. It's such a powerful connection. Brother Marcel, even if I die, he splits those old eastern skies the dead in Christ shall rise first to meet the one in whom their soul loveth his power and love in me is so great it won't even leave my decomposed body in the ground because my soul loveth him it's going to burst up out of the ground change in a moment in a twinkling of an eye we that are alive and remain somebody said pastor where do you want to be when the rapture happens well first of all I just want to be there but if I got my choice I want to be in a graveyard 
I'd love to be in the graveyard when the rapture happens, see them graves just bursting wide open. Because the dead in Christ go first. We that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air. And we shall be changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be like him. You see, we've lived as vineyard dressers down in this old world. Oh, but when we get married to the king, listen, I know I could have preached more things to get us to shout around the aisles, but folks, this is what it's all about. You're not going to go to the wedding if you don't know the king. Let me say it like this. If you don't know Jesus as the shepherd, you'll never be married to him as the king. Because what Solomon was saying was, I've got to have somebody love me for me. And Jesus came to find somebody that would love him for him, not for the blessing. Not for the goosebumps, not for the hair tingling on the back of your neck. Not because you could get rich or get money or be blessed or increase with wealth or whatever these TV hucksters are out there lying about with TV evangelists lying about, give me money, you'll get all that. No, that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you more than he wanted the splendors of glory. He wants a relationship with you more than anything else. He wants you. He wants you to love him. Stand with me this morning. Stand with me. He's God. He could do anything he wanted to do. You know, God could force you to love him. You know that? He's God. If he wanted to, he could quicken your heart. And you would do anything God said. You'd stick your tongue to the floor and you would crawl from here to New York City licking the ground if that's what God wanted because he could make you do it. That's not what God wanted. God wanted you to have a choice. Don't love me because I'm a king. Love me because I'm a shepherd. (laughs) See, because he didn't love me when I was at my best. He didn't start loving me when I was in a pulpit preaching. He didn't start loving me when I was doing missions work or teaching Bible studies. That's not when God started loving me. My Bible says that while we were yet sinners, He loved me at my worst so I could be with Him at His best. This is eternity's great love story. You say, Pastor, when he's coming back, it's been 2,000 years. I don't know when he's coming back, but all I know is this. I want to be ready. I'm going to be at the edge of the vineyard. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be looking. I'm going to be occupying because one of these days he's coming around the corner. Amen. One of these days a trumpet is going to be pressed to the lips of that archangel and it's going to blast out a sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first.
close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. I feel the Holy Ghost here, close your eyes. It's just any other ordinary day. It's just another ordinary day. Resisted the temptation on your job. You've turned away from the opportunity that was happening. Amen. Where you could have sinned or you could have walked away from God, but you didn't. You stayed faithful. It was a day just like any other. But all of a sudden, upon a white cloud, you see a rip in the fabric of the universe. And all of a sudden, the blue skies are pulled back as if a curtain on a stage. All of a sudden you hear a blast that comes out of a trumpet so loud that the foundations of the earth begin to tremble under the power of that shout of the voice of the archangel when all of a sudden a long lean Galilean leg stretches across the back of a steaming white stallion. Amen. And the king of kings and the lord of lords grabs his whip and it cracks out like the billowing of a thousand cannons and he kicks the horse in the flanks and that white horse rides through that opening in the eastern sky and the armies in heaven follow after him as he races back to the earth to catch his bride and as you look to the heavens you know in an instant what it is it's the one in whom my soul loveth and in his hand is a sword and in his mouth goes a sword and upon his thigh is a name written king of kings and lord of I want to be in that number he's going to catch us away he's going to catch us away keep your eyes closed listen to me keep your eyes closed listen to me we're going to meet him in heaven we're going to, I need you to imagine this Hollywood couldn't duplicate this it's so powerful that only the power of your imagination in God could conjure this up through the influence of the Holy Ghost all of a sudden you're caught up in the air you're suspended somewhere not, not even in the ionosphere or the stratosphere you're somewhere in the celestials and all of a sudden you look down and your hands that were wrinkled and had spots are now young and you look over and you begin to recognize that's my mama that passed away a few years ago. There's my grandma that's been dead for 15, 17 years. There's my father. There's my great grandmother. All of a sudden, you are soaring through the heavens when all of a sudden that ride stops and pearly gates begin to open and you are ushered in by the angels of God into the great eternal banquet hall which is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the apostles of the Lamb are seated at the head table. Amen. And somehow, when I don't know how, but somehow Jesus himself will greet you as if you were the only one there. And he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. The saints of all the ages break out in hosannas. And for the next 10 billion thousand years, we begin to worship at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? Because we were faithful in the vineyard. Because we found the one in whom our soul loved. <laughs> it's going to be worth it all. Oh, child of God, oh, weary pilgrim of God, it's going to be worth it all. 
Not when your feet hit streets of gold. Not when your eyes behold gates of pearls and walls of jasper. But it's going to be worth it all when you hear the voice of your shepherd say, I love you, my child. I'm so glad you finally made it home. This is where I've been the whole time waiting on you. You see, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to open these altars to whoever's going to be a part of eternity's great love story. I want to open these altars maybe to somebody that needs to be encouraged. Maybe it's been a while since you've smelt that sweet scent of your shepherd. Maybe it's been a while since you've felt the beautiful touch of the one in whom your soul loveth. Maybe you've not made your plans. Maybe you've not made your preparations to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Today's a good day to get a sin repented out of your heart. Amen. To get temptation out of your life because he's coming soon. He's coming soon faster than an eye has ever blinked. He's coming soon faster than a wheel has ever spun up on an axle. He's coming soon faster than a bullet's ever left a gun. He's coming soon faster than a hoof has ever struck the ground. He's coming soon. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for me. He is the one in whom my soul loveth. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.